On today's show, Evan Mobley made his preseason debut, and the Cavs made some roster moves as they head towards the regular season. That's all coming up today on Lockdown Cavs, your daily look at the Cleveland Cavaliers. Thanks again for making us your first listen every single day. You are Locked On Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. All right, the music you heard on the way in is from our friends at Astro Radio. Check them out on Apple Music or Spotify. I would be remiss to say that if there was ever a day to not make Lockdown Cavs your first listen, Lockdown Guardians, we're recording this on Sunday after the Saturday night bonanza for game three, uh, game four Sunday. But, you know, maybe check out Jeff Ellis at Lockdown Guardians because that series has been phenomenal. Uh, but today, we are going to talk about. Evan Mobley's return against the Orlando Magic. We're going to talk about the Cavs making some roster moves, waving some folks. One player in particular that got Cavs Twitter, I think, a little bit inflamed, and we'll, we'll talk about that. And we're going to talk about what we feel like we learned, if anything, from the regular season. But Evan Damerel primarily writes on Euclid, also for the sword. Let's start with Evan Mobley. I thought he looked really interesting as a five. This only... This, this did two things for me. Number one, uh, it more just kind of raised my curiosity level in terms of what he is going to look like as a five going forward and, and some of the schematic implications of playing him more that way. We, we can talk about uh, that. But also just, he looked a little rusty. And yeah, that, that was my big takeaway. It's like he, you could definitely tell that he had missed time on the floor. And yes. he looked a little rusty out there. And look, no Jarrett, no Donovan Mitchell, no Jared Allen. No Darius Garland. So, like, this was not exactly, like, primo setup for Evan Mobley. This was kind of a bare-bones roster, just kind of getting some getting some um, reps in and stuff like that. But he definitely looked like a guy that, like, hadn't played live basketball against other NBA players in that setting in, in several months. And that, that makes sense to me. That's fine. Yeah, it's absolutely fine. And like you said, it's... At the end of the day, he looked rusty, but it's also preseason. Like, you can't take too much stock in this. You, like you said, he no Darius Garland, no Donovan Mitchell, no Jared Allen, who is the other three components of this starting five next to Evan Mobley in this regard. Um, it's, he looked good. I think there is some optimism, like you said, about him maybe being more of a backup five to Jared Allen at times this season, similarly to how... Uh, Darius Garland and Donna Mitchell both take turns being the primary ball handler in lineups too. Like there, there could be some interesting flexibility and back end rotation stuff. JV Bickerstaff can kind of utilize if Mobley is able and, you know, comfortable physically playing the five at times. And I think that gives you some reason for optimism because Orlando is an overwhelmingly big team. Like they had Palo Bancaro playing at the three for them to start the game. And like, I know Jamal Mosley jokes saying that JV Bickerstaff took the idea from him, but maybe this is a good test, and it's a good test for Mobley as well. But, like, yeah, like you said, he just, he just looked a little rusty out there, and I'm not too, too concerned as they kind of shift focus to Toronto. So let's hit on the five part of this because he starts at the five. And he, you know, he kind of doesn't really – I'd have to check, like, my notes, but, like, I don't – if he played with Robin Lopez, it was for very, very short stretches. I mean, here's where I'm at with this. 
I think the way Mobley was being physical on both ends of the floor, he was a little more willing to put in shoulders, his shoulder into guys and try to play a little bully ball. He's using his frame to contest shots and not just relying on length and timing and all of that. Like he's like, I think he played more physically still doesn't set screens still loves to just set a slit to slip and not really put uh, his, his hips into a guy, which is whatever. It, it's was, funny. Cause you see his brother do the opposite of it. And you're like, Hmm. Well, one of them is like a little like Isaiah's like you can tell Isaiah's like the older brother who's like a little more solid physically at this point. Yeah. The other thing is that when I've watched Robin Lopez in the preseason, the one thing that you can see that there like is a way to pick on him is that he's going to have a he's, he's going to those when he has to rotate back to a to a guy getting a layup on the other side or he has to ro- just be in a position to catch a cutter. He's just a little slow in those spots. Evan Mobley, yeah. because of how much space he covers and how much he can do in that sense, is such an intriguing option to kind of negate some of those issues. Maybe they're schematically interesting to see how those two sort of work together because I would be curious to see how that would look if if Mobley can play the roamer with kind of with Lopez handling some of the some of the some of the physicality of centers and, and cutters, let's say, and taking the brunt of that. And he's very going to be nowhere to be positionally. But I, mm-hmm. I I just I think we need to see Mobley at the five. Like this is just going to be a you thing. Do. I think we need to see more of if the Cavs are going to kind of maximize how interesting they can be. No, I absolutely agree. Like utilizing Mobley at the five is something the Cavs definitely need to explore this season. He is bigger physically, like you could tell, just compared from when last season ended to even media day and preseason availability and things like that, and just watching him out on the floor. Like, Evan Mobley's bigger physically, and it's now testing his comfort level, seeing where he's at playing the five, maybe without Jared Allen kind of being that safety blanket to cover him at times. Because like you said, yeah, he's playing alongside Robin Lopez, but in those lineups, more or less, Evan Mobley is the five in those scenarios, especially on defense. And... Now that you have him kind of covering for the people, like you could run lineups of, let's say, Mitchell, Okoro, Osmond, Love, and Mobley, because we've talked about this, and I've talked about this with Danny Cunningham a lot. Maybe the Cavs should explore playing bench lineups with Mobley being the primary five and Mitchell being the primary one. And it's something worth exploring, and maybe you just kind of ease him into it a little bit, just so you don't like physically overtax him, because at the same time, I am still interested about like the perimeter defense stuff with him and just kind of the stuff he can do on the perimeter general or initiating the offense. And maybe that's why you pair him with Jared Allen, obviously to cover some of like, you know, the defensive pressure at the rim, or maybe this is kind of like the Cavs, like, Oh, maybe in next year when Mobley's more comfortable playing the five, we can do more of this, but maybe we play a more of a defensive minded four next to him instead of somebody as stretching offensive as Kevin Love. Well, and I, and I think there's the other part of it. There's the defensive point of it too, is like, I think against like Joel Embiid or some of these bigger centers, I I would want to utilize Robin Lopez's frame. Like he's just bigger. Yeah, like well, he's yeah, and he's a body that can not not to dismiss Robin Lopez's ability, but he's a body that can absorb fouls and kind of keep your more important players and Allen and Mobley out of foul trouble when dealing with Embiid or Giannis or Anthony Davis or any player that's just kind of is going to put a ton of pressure at the rim. Yeah, and then the other the other I think the other part of that is like is there's something with how good Mobley is. And it's not quite like I don't think it's quite the same as like the Robert Williams in Boston thing where they put him off ball and then unlocked another level of their defense. But I think Mobley has so much value off ball that in terms of eating up space on the backside and, and playing passing lanes that I think like you should try to use him in that way as well. It's what makes him an Allen, I think, work in part because he doesn't have to be 
this drop center or or guy who ices like he can do all this other stuff and he is very very aware and covers space so i this is just one of those little things i think we should put like put we'll see how Mo, we'll see how mobley and mitchell joe we'll see how you know how he looks in year two with darius carlin throwing him passes right like but these are the little things coming out of game one that i, I think kind of stirred is there anything else about about that game that you that kind of caught your eye at all uh um, I mean, we'll talk about the roster move, but Mamadi Diakite had a very good game again. Um, just in limited minutes, he didn't play 30 like he did in the, against Atlanta. It was cool seeing Isaiah Mobley playing next to his brother Evan Mobley. Like, I asked him about that uh, on Thursday, and he's just like, yeah, it's exciting. He's like, they had a couple plans cooked up, and or plays cooked up, and I don't think they got to do all of them. But it's cool just to, like, see those connections and also... They shared the floor with Mo Wagner and Franz Wagner at the same time, too. So it was just like a brother fest down in Orlando Friday night. Yes. Okoro uh, also played oh, well yeah, again. He played great. Uh, he, again, we need to see 20. I, I We need to see a sample of this where, like, we feel like he is actually something different. But this is tri- this is two straight preseason games where you're like, huh, Isaac Okoro is doing the things exactly that you would want him and- to do. And Euro stepping, he is yes. also Euro stepping, which is just always a fun development. Him hitting those in the half court is just like a wild, wild thing. Okay, we're gonna go into break now. People have subscription issues, and sometimes it can be really hard to cancel them. Like, think about Amazon Prime; it could take people four tries to cancel it. They can deliver things really fast, but they can't just let you cancel your subscription. Why isn't that easy? You could be wasting money on subscriptions. 80% of people have subscriptions they forgot about. Could be Amazon Prime or Hulu or Netflix or whatever it is. But there's a solution for that. You might have heard of it. It's called Rocket Money, formerly known as Truebill. The app shows all your subscriptions in one place and cancels what you don't want for you. Rocket Money can even find subscriptions you don't know you're paying for. You may even find that you've been double charged for a subscription. To cancel a subscription, all you have to do is press cancel and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Cancel unnecessary subscriptions with Rocket Money today. Go to rocketmoney.com slash locked on. Seriously, this could save you hundreds of dollars per year. That's rocketmoney.com slash locked on. Look, this is a great product. Uh, we have a testimony here from at the Liberty HB on Twitter who said, yes, wholeheartedly. It is in tune of money app. It's hard to come by. So get it. And, an, and a member in their survey said it is the best app they have ever used. So check out rocket money today. You won't regret it. Save a bunch of money on subscriptions. All right, we're back here on the Lockdown Cavs podcast. I'm Chris Manning. That is Evan Demerol. Let's talk about the roster changes, Evan. So the Cavs make some moves as they were going to have to do as they get to the regular season. They have waived Sharif Cooper, Mamadi Diakate, Nate Hinton, and Jamarco Pickett. RJ Nemhart, originally on a two-way deal, originally on a two-way contract, and who played 14 games of the team last season, was also released. Uh, there's all indications as of right now that they're going to keep that 15th roster spot open. The Cavs right now are $2.5 million away from the luxury tax, so if they're going to fill that spot at some point, it would either via trade have to keep that in mind. Also, could be a minimum salary player at some point. Uh, it does not. It is not clear as of right now who they're going to sign to that second two-way deal. Maybe it's Yakate. It seems like Cooper and Hinton and Pickett are probably going to end up with the charge, which was what we told you was going to happen when they signed two training camp deals. That was the plan with that. Evan, does anything about these roster moves as they get had to make these cuts stand out to you in any way? 
I mean, I think the RJ Nemhard one does kind of stand out a little bit because he's been with the team for the better part of a year now. Um, and they finally cut him from his two-way deal. And they, they did a little bit of that finagling last year. They had an open roster spot, and they signed him to the end of the roster to sign a different player to a two-way spot. And then they wait. I think it was Moses Brown. And then they waived him and then signed Brown to the deal. And they just kind of did some finagling in the back end of their uh, roster spot as well. So a little surprised at that. Maybe they do it again. Maybe he signs the charge instead at this time. Because just like, I'll be frank, RJ Demhar just didn't really stand out during the preseason at all for me. Like, he kind of just looks like the same player. We haven't seen a lot of growth from him. Because, like, you expect a little bit of a leap, especially when you are given a lot of the resources that the Cavs used on him. Other than that, I think the Diacate one is surprising just because it has sticker shock because he played well during the preseason. But like Chris and I said, uh, it's really hard for dudes who get trading camp invites to make the roster. Like I know Matthew Dellavedova is a popular example with the Cavs, but it's still hard. Um, he could end up on the two-way deal. He could end up with the charge. A lot of things could happen still, but I think the Cavs keeping that roster spot open is always going to be the move because it's something they historically do. And more than anything, like we said, like these guys are getting funneled down to the charge. So um, Mike Garrity kind of has a roster to work with alongside Isaiah Mobley. And I don't know, we'll see what other teams cut. Maybe the Cavs pick up a player that the Thunder or the Rockets or somebody else cut that they maybe want to take a long stab at or look at. Nikate is the, obviously the one who popped. He's the one that if you're looking at players who made an impact in the preseason, made a case for themselves. And, and look, he got the most minutes. That's also part of this as well. Like Sharif Cooper didn't play much. Hinton didn't play much. Pickett didn't play much. Nemhard really didn't play much, right? Like Nikate no. is the one who really shone and, and made kind of a case for himself. And uh, yeah, I asked JB Bickerstaff about it, and he's just like, Diakate just brought a bunch of energy. And like, I think part of it was he's playing hard because he is playing for his NBA career still. But like, yeah, his energy and just his overall impact on the floor always stood out. And Bickerstaff said that's like why they played him so much, especially against Atlanta. And it's just kind of been that way since the first Philly game. He would make a ton of sense to me, depending on what happened, if he's claimed by somebody else or whatnot. He would make a ton of sense to me as a two way guy. He he is a, I don't I don't think like what he did in the preseason is like indicative of what you would get production wise in in the regular NBA season, but the energy level, the frame, um, some of the things you really like on him would would make sense to me as a thing you you take a take a take a look at uh, to pair with Isaiah Mobley, and and if if it's if it's RJ if you're thinking about RJ Nemhard, I think you hitting on the fact that like it just he has felt it feels again we're not seeing everything with him right like we, yeah. we have not we're not we seeing hardly practices. saw him but he just hasn't stood out when he played either it feels he feels sort of stagnant in what he has become and that makes it very tr- I, I don't that makes it tricky to kind of say like fair or not fair or whatever but for him as a two-way guy it feeling stagnant in that way I, I get I, I I'm not exactly surprised that they've that they've gone that way with them hard no, I'm not surprised either, and like you said, he does feel stagnant. That's what I mean by him not necessarily standing out, because he has a year up on a lot of these guys, and he also, at least in terms of like Isaiah Mobley or um, some of the other undrafted guys not named Sharif Cooper and Mamadi Diakita, I don't know Nate Hinton's NBA history or Jamar. I know Jamarco Pickett has experience as well, but he has a leg up just because he has a familiarity with how the Cavs operate, how things work. Like he has experience at the main roster and he just never really got any playing time because I think part of it is JB is trying to learn who is going to work as the starting three for this team. Can I make Donovan and Darius co-function together? 
losing Evan Mobley is unfortunate because JB expressed to me like there's a little bit of a concern that maybe he's a step behind offensively just because he's getting used to the new offensive system. Like the Cavs did have to utilize their preseason for a lot of other stuff. And it was never expected that any of these like roster guys would make an impact, but just with, like Nemhard, he had the familiarity and maybe the Cavs are like, okay, we have over a year of tape and like he hasn't popped quite yet or really leveled up like he should have from his rookie year to his sophomore year, theoretically speaking. And maybe they just utilize that two-way on somebody else just to kind of keep them in-house and then maybe do the long development game with him. Because let's just be frank, the Isaiah Mobley presence on the roster is going to more or less lock up a two-way spot until he's signed to an actual contract with the team. Yes. I will be curious to see also just like if anyone does pop. I was like scanning through some of the names that were waived by other teams. And, you know, like I, I... Isaiah Joe would have been interesting to me. He's going to look like he's going to with the Thunder. David Nwabo will now be a free agent. I, I am a David Nwabo believer, but like, I don't like, is he worth your fifth and roster spot? Yeah. Um, Jared Butler was, was waived by the jazz. I know there's some health concerns with him historically, but like, that's a, it was a very productive college player. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I'm curious to see if like, there's anyone that kind of jumps out to them uh, as far as who is waived. You know, there's not anyone that like, you're like, whoa, that guy got cut in whatever. Maybe Killian Tilly is sort of one of the bigger names as well. But like, there's not like a name out there that I'm like screaming to just go try to grab this guy. I mean, Killian Tilly would be interesting, but the Cavs kind of have invested with Isaiah Mobley and they do have Khalifa Jop overseas as well. And yeah, like it's not a need. Side. Yeah. So like, he's not like a huge need. If they're like looking at like, hey, we need some young depth behind Jared Allen. Um I don't know if Killing Tilly, like, yes, he was a good player at Gonzaga. Like, he has a lot of intrigue. But like you said, Jared Butler, like, that would intrigue me if you want, like, a bigger-ish point guard that maybe you could develop. And maybe, I don't know, maybe Sharif Cooper ends up being that guy of the year with a charge because, like you said, he's expected to join the charge in Cooper, and maybe they pursue that path. But we'll we'll see. I don't know. There could be some interesting names. Uh, the Cavs have been pretty smart with some of their UDFA and two-way signings up to this point with Stevens and Wade. We'll see how Isaiah Mobley pans out, but I think you can feel optimistic about that. And then, like, you just kind of keep funneling this young back-end talent, developing them through the charge, and just working that way. Like, that's the best way to go about it, and just figure out the next steps from there. If they were to actually... I don't think they're going to do this, but if they were to actually fill the 15th roster spot right now, Stanley Johnson would, would make a lot of sense. It was good, but was good, was generally good with the Lakers last year. Yeah, he was good at the Lakers. He fits in their timeline. Like, he's a good, high-character guy. Um... I know he didn't stick with the Jazz, but we'll see. Like the problem is, is Stanley Johnson also plays like a highly, highly desirable position of need. So the Cavs may have some competition in like acquiring him because he is a unrestricted free agent. He is free to sign with any of these teams, and I don't know. I think that would make sense if the Cavs just like wanted some actual like legitimate wing depth at the end of the rotation. Like if their wing rotation was like Osman Okoro and Johnson coming off the bench, like that's not a bad spot to be in. Yeah, I mean, like, he would be, I think, like, a competition for Lamar and maybe competition just to, to bump Jetty as well if, if you go that way. Okay, we're going to go one more break. We're going to come back and just hit on what we feel like we learned in the preseason overall. But first, Evan's going to tell us about our friends at Bet Online. You're right, man. BetOnline.net is your number one source for football betting info this season. Follow the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, in-depth articles, and analysis, everything on every game you can find. Check out our sponsor, BetOnline.net. And as always, BetOnline.net remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your favorite games and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, golf, basketball, and so much more. 
So head to betonline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. They have good odds, by the way, uh, over-unders on the Cavs. I believe 48 right now. I, Evan Mobley plus 1,600 for Defensive Player of the Year. Well, quick quick question. They have uh, scoring odds, too. Do you take any over or under on Darius Garland averaging 19.5 points per game this year? Over. I am, too. But they that's what that's the line is. And I was just like, that's an interesting one. It's a hard over for me. All right, last segment on Lockdown Cavs. I'm Chris Manning. That man over there is Evan Damerell. Evan, what do you feel like you learned from the preseason? What, what? Give me something you feel like you, you feel like you picked up over those four preseason games. I think there's going to be some growing pains between Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell, but in game two against Philly and in especially game three against Atlanta, you kind of saw the peak of what this parent can be, whether it's in terms of gravity or playmaking or shooting or anything else, and. I wrote about this a little bit um, for Write Down Euclid, just about how the Cavs can be really balanced on both ends of the floor, because I firmly believe they'll be a very good defensive team this year. Maybe they level up and go from top five to even higher, but that's going to be tough. But like offense, it's adding Mitchell is going to give them such a shot in the arm in terms of shooting, in terms of scoring, in terms of playmaking, and just everything that's just kind of a positive, because the Cavs, statistically speaking, in terms of offense, we're only top 10 on interior scoring and that's because of Mobley who was 22nd in the league in terms of field goal percentage and Allen who is second in the league in field goal percentage at the rim so it's it's a little tricky but I think just adding Mitchell is just going to pop so much and I know it's not really a hot take but you see the self-actualized idea of what it can be and like especially in game two and three and at times game one as well um where you're like yeah this is gonna really hit like closer to the all-star break and this is Cavs seems going to be pretty scary on both ends of the floor yeah I think I think I feel good about them like knowing where each other are going to be in terms of like feeding off each other in quick succession but I think it'll be interesting to see how they balance each other give the giving and the, the give and the take with them and and how some of that works itself out right like I, I how yeah. they are the how they and how they're staggered like we as we're finishing this preseason we have no idea how they're going to stagger Mobley and Allen this year, how they're going to, how they may or may not stagger Garland and Mitchell. We mm-hmm. don't know how they're, who's going to start the fourth. Like the only instance, the only inclination we really got was that game against the Hawks where Mitchell starts the fourth and then they didn't even end up closing the game in any way. So like, we, there's just like little data points, but like not, not a lot, obviously. Um, I'm curious just that that is one of like my biggest things. I want to see how that kind of plays itself out, figures itself out and and we kind of learn a little more about how that is going to function. Um but it's going to take time. I I mean I think the biggest thing is kind of for me is off of that. It's just like I think this is going to take they're going to there's going to be things that click right away. I think this yeah. is going to take like tw- this is going to take more time than maybe people are expecting to just fully look like the best version of itself. Well, that's kind of the issue with fandom sometimes is people aren't willing to be patient to see the process play itself out. And some folks will say Rome is burning. The Cavs kind of look, they struggle a little bit. Like they have a pretty, I mean, other than Washington, who I'm not very high on this season, but they play Toronto to open the season. They are in Chicago soon after that. Like they have a handful of like decent opponents to start to see. Like they play Boston pretty early in the season too. Like they have some tough tests against them where like, they're going to press the buttons on the Cavs offensively that may make them really uncomfortable. And like, yes, these are valuable learning experiences and maybe it's a good way to help them kind of figure out 
how they function and coexist across the board with all of these mouths that need fed on the offensive side of the ball. Because I think the defense will carry itself. It's just how will they find that balance so they don't turn every game into a rock fight like they did last season where it's like, yeah, it's fun to watch the Cavs scrap games, but like, you know, that's got to be physically exhausting to have to do on a night to night basis too. I cannot wait to see the regular season version of the Hawks game where it's close. You have to just kind of find a way to kind of make stuff work and it gets in the, in the grime. And I cannot. Oh yeah. I got games like that are fun. It's just, I don't know if it, I want to watch that every single night. Well, I mean, it probably, I mean, odds are it's not going to happen every single night, but like, I want to yeah. see like it in Boston. I want to see it again. Toronto opening night could be one of those games where like Toronto's going to play like it's style and they're going to play smaller and the Cavs have a size advantage and there's all these things and how that works itself out will be really, really interesting just to see how that, like what kind of, what kind of things we think we've learned here so far care of themselves. Evan, let's end on this. Karis LeVert seems... J.B. Bickerstaff is doing the, the coach slash J.B. Bickerstaff thing where he's saying, like, we may have made a decision at starting small forward, but he has not said it. He will not say it Wednesday. It is a competitive advantage thing, blah, 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 blah. I think... I am intrigued by the LeVert thing. I just want to see much more of it before I feel like we have, like, a real grasp on it. Particularly since Evan Mobley, again, did not play... Like, Mobley and LeVert played together in Game 4. None of the other possible starters played there. Yeah, I think Karis LeVert has the leg up on it because he was asked by Joe Varden, I think, prior to the Atlanta game, um, has he settled on Karis LeVert? And JB's like, no. But then he also, JB again, made it clear, which was just interesting to say, like, Karis has done everything right up to this point to not be the starting small forward for this team. Um, to not not be so like he wouldn't be taken out of consideration but you get two strong games from Isaac Coro, you get some okay shoutings from Jetty Osmond I'm not saying Osmond should start but like Osmond's earned a spot in this rotation at least for his preseason play and just how comfortable he's kind of looked out there at times um, but like Okoro it, it's a race between Okoro and Levert I think it always has been but I think Levert will open the season as the starter but to Chris's point Isaac Okoro in the first segment Isaac Okoro played really well against Atlanta he played really well against Orlando this is preseason, so you take it with a grain of salt. If he can string together like a consistent 10 to 15 games just to start the year, we're like, yeah, he is kind of making an impact on both ends of the floor. He's not doing a ton of scoring just because the Cavs don't need that from him, but like you're consistently getting it. Maybe 15, 20 games in the season, it's easier to flip-flop things. Start a core is like that connective tissue between defense and offense, and then you let Levert be like your, be your supercharged six-man next to Donovan Mitchell because those lineups were effective when Mitchell was running point and Levert was kind of next to him as like the secondary scorer. All right, let's end there, Evan. Um, best Cavs had a little weekend. Donovan, or, uh, anything Evan Moby did or Kevin Love chugging a beer at Progressive Field? I believe it. I believe Kevin Love chugging an ice no, cold I'm, Bud Light. Well, I'm saying oh. which one's the better highlight? Evan, anything, oh, Kevin Evan, anything Evan Mobley did. Okay, I agree. I just agree. that Guardians game is so special. So I think that it, that game just trumps anything that happened this weekend. Uh, the pop Kevin Love got when he when they panned him and Jared Allen is losing his mind as Kevin Love is crushing what looked to be a Bud Light in a Miller Light Stadium. Questions. I have lots of questions about what he was chugging. Um, just interesting time. It is. It's a fun time, man. Hopefully, you know what? Hopefully, the Guardians have won by the time this episode posts. But if they're back in New York, go Guards tonight. Hopefully, the Browns won. Hopefully, everyone had a good weekend, and we'll see you Tuesday. Yes. All right. Thanks again for listening to Locked On Cavs. Uh, this episode was produced by Jake Stevens. 
All right, we'll be back tomorrow, kind of going through some of what the betting lines have to say about the Cavs this year and, and, tell, and kind of use those to lead us in different thought directions. We hope you tune in for that. Now go check out Locked on NBA. That is your best look at what's happening around the league every single day from the Locked on Podcast Network. Hope you go check that out. Subscribe to that wherever you're listening to Locked on Cavs right now. Check out Locked on Guardians. Check out Locked on Browns. Promise you won't regret it. Everyone be well.